Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to The Sap. It's your boy, Dave Neal. How's everybody doing today? You're going to love this episode. This is a fun one. They all are, right? They're all fun. We're up on the roof today, Tasha, Marie, myself, and our good friend, returning guest, Aiden Park. Aiden joins us to talk about his new book, The Art of Being Yay, the OMG NSFW Memoir and Guide to Authentic Joy. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about this book, but for one lucky listener, I'm going to send you a book. If you live in the domestic U.S. of A. and you are the first to reply to what I'm saying right now, I'm going to mail you a copy of his book, The Art of Being Yay. It's a spiritual, self-help, motivational type of book from one of our closest friends of the podcast. So all you got to do is do this for me. Screen grab how you're listening right now, because this is this is just for the podcast audio only listeners that are hearing this. Screen grab what you're listening. Um, share it to the sap. At, at, it's on Instagram at the dot sap. Um, uh, tag us in your story. Share it and uh, say that you're... Uh, listening to this episode or whatever whatever you want to do just screen grab it share it first person to do that will get a copy of the book and um if you uh do that and aren't the first person i'll let you know and we'll send you a postcard anyway so uh, we appreciate all of your support just a, a way for us to give back to you and support our friend aiden park <sighs> and if you haven't done this yet you are going to need to go check out the youtube we've been doing a three camera shoot all summer during quarantine up on the roof. We're calling it, we were calling it the Sunset Podcast Series because we were shooting these podcasts at sunset. But this episode, we actually recorded midday, late morning. And because of the wildfires, the sky is literally yellow. So if you want to see what it looks like to be shooting, uh, it smelled like a campfire, uh, go to my YouTube, just search Dave Neal or search this app and go check out that podcast uh, that you're listening to right now. And that's a place where you can go to comment. If you have, to, if you have any comments, critiques, concerns, or just want to share some love, do it on the YouTube version of the podcast. The audio app doesn't really give you a place to comment. So go over to the YouTube. I know it's a little bit of extra work, but it helps promote us. It helps new people find it. It helps the algorithm, all that jazz. So anyway, without further ado, here's our chat with Aiden Park. Let's get, get right into it. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen. We're on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to this app. As always, it's your boy Dave Neal, Tasha Courtney, and returning guest, friend of the family, life brother, Aiden Park. How are Yay, you? Yay. Hi. <laughs> welcome back. Yay, hi. <laughs> this is such a chill summer vibe right I, now. Well, Barefoot. Nothing is ever chill with me, right? <laughs> I have to do a fan wow, kick. you've got great hamstrings there. Oh, I know. I used to do ballet. And so it's, uh, I'm doing, oh my God, this is the three camera setup. So you'll angle You've got really strong legs. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I used to be a big boy. And I used to do ballet, so I have a... Um, Are you doing squats during quarantine or what? No, it just doesn't go away. It doesn't go away? Mm -hmm. Wow. You've got, um, you've got real... Very defined. Dave is, like, very jealous right I now. Dave's been running like for that. six months trying really? to get a little definition. In I his. don't... I mean, I'll just... I'll never have an ass. I'll never have quads like that. But it's... It, it, today's not about me. It's about you, my Have man. you done any ass exercises? Well, I don't know. Have I? Do you know how to do them? Like a like leg raiser. I'm just going to show you one. Okay, here we go, everyone. If you're okay, listening, so you're on all fours. All right, you're on all fours. And you go, okay, like that. Oh, and you, yeah, okay, donkey yeah. kick. It's yeah, called a donkey kick? Donkey kick 
Do like a hundred each, but you don't want a big ass. Anyway, guys with big asses don't look right unless you're a big old bottom. Uh, my ass will never get big enough to look too big. I've got a flabby, flat, mid-30s ass. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, it's not about me. We, maybe we're doing this wrong. We're doing a relationship podcast. We should just do, uh, you know, fitness. It should be a fitness lifestyle <laughs> podcast. It's all tied in because you need to look sexy if you're going to attract a partner, don't you? you because do. looking sexy helps you to feel sexy and confident, which is the number one thing that people Confidence notice. Confidence is sexy. That's you right. You gotta feel it yourself before you can exude that shit to others. That's right. Uh, for all those listening, if you're not on the YouTube watching this, you have you have to go on the YouTube. I mean, we are out here midday during these wildfires. It smells like a campfire. It's dark as it's shit. Gross. It's hot though. Yeah, it's it's probably in what the 80s or 90s. I don't know what it's this really is. Really hot. It um, is. I we had to like go change into lighter clothes, so we're rocking barefoot tank tops and shorts. <laughs> This I, is very uh, Tommy Bahama. But I wonder how stubborn I am as far as my career goes, that even the wildfires, the pandemic, it's like, what's it going to take for me to just quit this podcast already? You know what I mean? We're like literally on the brink of a, well, you can see the crest of the fires approaching us right now. And we're like, well, let's just bang out one more episode. Let's go for it. <laughs> they have it in Canada. They have the, the smoke from uh, LA is going up to Canada. It's just wild. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just insane what's going on. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to try our best to just get through it. You want to talk about insane life aid in part. I mean, we've had you on, I think, three times. Or, I mean, this might be the third or fourth. The f- it, I want to I paraphrase. To, I want to I start if people haven't like, uh, listened to our podcast before. Uh, a couple of years ago, you were in a happy relationship. Um, and then the last podcast you did was right after you had found out your partner had late uh, stage cancer and just passed away. Right, right. And that I was, was the last in the time. car with you after yeah. he passed away. You were both crying. We're having a good chat. That was a real special time for me, a real, a real bonding moment. But how you been? You been okay? I've been great. I mean, uh, it feels weird to say that I've been great, but I've been great, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way after like a traumatic event or even people have been talking about this for 2020. It's hard when you know that like, like it's hard to allow yourself to move forward into being okay, right? Did you have to do therapy for that? Not really, but you know, I I, I just, um, I had a moment not too long ago, actually, two or three months ago, uh, you know, and Michael died of... Two and a half years ago, almost now, uh, May of 2018. And since, since his, like, it was such a heavy event that any kind of emotional, like negative emotion, slightly, um, I would experience it. And then the Michael thing would get triggered. So I could sit in traffic and be frustrated at traffic. And that frustration would then trigger the Michael thing which then would overtake me. Yeah, yeah just like a full tsunami of emotion. Right. And Whereas I think normally it'd be like a little rain, but interesting. I mean because anyone whenever anyone goes through a breakup or of, of course this was a more serious kind of tragedy, you you always just want to burn off those feeling those mourning feelings so you can just celebrate what you had, celebrate his life, celebrate your partnership together and things yeah. like that. Was there a turning point where you realized I'm going to be okay? That was what I was talking about the 2 months ago, right? I was literally thinking about how do I think about this? Because I was still crying over him like every other day. I was missing him terribly. And then I realized a couple of months ago, actually, uh, that 
I, I thought about like relationships and such and, and, um, and having a partner. And there was a moment where I thought, wow, I could actually look at this and say, as far as relationships go, I can honestly, genuinely say that Michael and I really did it. We were, okay, so, I, and then I thought about this, um, you know, gymnastics, you know, Simone Biles. Yeah. yeah. You know how she like won gold and won gold and won gold. And at some point in her life, she's reaching her 20s. She's going to have to retire from gymnastics and go on and do something else. Mothering, coaching or whatever. And I started thinking about Michael in those terms. You know, we really did. We were the champions. We really loved each other fully, heartily. Were we perfect? I don't know. Maybe we were a little codependent, sure. But we really did it. We won gold. So you don't feel like there was anything left on the table for you guys as far as like unfinished business. Like you were able to express your full love, uh, which, which I think is such an amazing tribute to your relationship to be able to get to that peak. And, and, and what's unfortunate with this world is that we're given these shit learning opportunities yeah. through tragedy to, to find out who we really are. The one hour, um, the last time he went to the emergency room, uh, we knew that was the last time it was going to be. We were fooling ourselves. We were like, OK, like maybe we'll get through it or you won't come out of this emergency room visit. And we both knew. And when we hit that point, at that point, he was on like oxygen and um, his feet and his arms were completely swollen. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't sleep on his back. So he had to sit up because of the fluid in his lungs. And. I had to take him to the emergency room and we knew this was it. And he was like, can we just sit here for an hour? Can you just sit here with me for an hour? And we did. And, and let's just say everything that we want to say. I love you so much. You mean so much to me. Next time we do this, we're going to stay together longer because this is really unfair for us to separate. And I, and you know, I said like, I love you. And he was like, you know, you show me every day and I love you too. And uh, it was a really special relationship. I really loved him. And, um, and another thing is, you know, people think he was my sugar daddy just because he was older. <laughs> and if he was my sugar daddy, I was on a low carb freaking diet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I love that man so much. We left it all out there. Well, we could tell. You know? He was supportive. I met him at a stand-up show. I think anyone who knew you guys could tell that. I should have brought sunglasses because Tasha's your tear. I didn't know you were. <laughs> Tasha's over there crying. We're going to have to have the, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's a, a special okay thing. Emotion it's have, a special you know? thing to... First of all, I'll be able to talk about it, no. uh, and we've talked about it on last episode, and that was probably over, about a year over a year ago. I was yeah. probably a couple years ago, actually. And it's important to remember when you're going through tough times the ability of, to express unconditional love yeah. and how powerful that is. Yeah, amongst all these other obstacles, they all become trivial when it when you when it comes to what's really important, which is your connection to yeah. the, those that you love around you. I feel really lucky because I've had that. And I feel very lucky because, you know, not everybody gets to win gold in the, in the, in, 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 we, we don't get to be Olympic champions. You yeah, know? not everyone finds that special person. And you yeah. get it because you got that because not, not necessarily out of sheer luck, but it's because you brought a love to the table that was free flowing. You're a loving guy. You're out here doing donkey kicks on the ground here. You're, <laughs> you express your love in a way that's, that doesn't have the traditional um, 
I would say resistance that a lot of people have. And this is what I love about the gay the gay community is that 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 str- a lot of straight men have this kind of rigid exoskeleton put on their man up bitch type of type of deal. It's we're getting over that with society, but the gay culture for the most part has been able to express like love in a way that's just free flowing, doesn't take a shape and it's just exist. Uh, in in its highest, there's toxic people everywhere. But we we were actually, you know, we've been talking a lot about all the, um, you know, like toxic optimism, toxic, um, just thinking everything's going to be okay. How how was it, as being somebody who is very cheery, that does like to light up the room? How how are you able to check in on yourself and know that it's okay to have a shit day or a shit moment? It was a challenge because I I would say that. You know, I've been doing empowerment stuff for like 15 years, right? Ever since I was 18 to like 33, I've been like studying empowerment secretly, not, you know. And a lot of that is like pumping yourself up. And because a lot of the design that is created, uh, you know, for use has been designed by uh, men with a traditional masculine whatever. And the tendency is to be like, you feel that? All right, spin that emotion out and make yourself feel something different and put yourself in a different state, Tony Robbins, right? I mean, not that I I love him, but, you know, like he, you know, get yourself in a state and let's go rah, rah, rah. And I approached my grief in that way for the first few months. Like, let's go. Let's change this. We can do this. Booking myself comedy shows uh, (laughs) like every night, three shows a day trying to find dates after my, it was like a month after, like just a muscling, 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 t- pumping myself up. And it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It just doesn't work. It fails. You're, delay, um, you're delaying the, the, the combustion of that energy. Yeah. You're, you're, you've got you the energy that needs to totally. come out. And you are delaying it. Although it's probably not 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 a horrible thing to, to try to get some normalcy into your life. But at the same time, you if and this goes for everyone, this goes for us and people listening. And for if if there's something that's going unaddressed, it will linger yeah. in a toxic way within you, and it will present itself through some sort of rage or sadness, sorrow. And it's important once you know what that is to address it, because you really can dissipate over time a lot of a lot of residual emotions and, and this is obviously a very powerful traumatic thing that happened to you um you got your book right there it's yeah. called um what's it what's art it? Um, of being yay the art Woo-woo. of being yay it, yay. Ca- it came out today yeah <laughs> so people listening this book is out yeah. now let's talk about this because you started writing this book as you as you were o- overcoming this tragedy yeah. well it, it ties into that so <clears throat> What happened was, and I actually want to say this, I think the rah, 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 and go, 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 and I was taking copious amounts of drugs after Michael died. I was like, I went, I was, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of shame around that, or around, uh, you know, in, in, the, in our society, and the thing is, like, sometimes you're in so much pain that it, it makes you, um, you can't do anything, and so for those moments, yeah, a little muscling, yeah, a little drugs or what I'm not advocating drugs, but I'm just saying <laughs> like if you have to muscle so that you can kind of ease the pain enough so it's that like you can a catalyst. Clearly, whatever. Yeah. Just you gotta get through it, right? So it's not all terrible, but ultimately if you are the muscling is not the answer. You gotta muscle, get your emotions well enough that you're not in so much freaking pain, then you gotta look at the pain. Right. 
Like address it. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, you're going to have to. You have to feel it at some point. At some point. And that's what I didn't know. And so the, the art of being yay is actually about my journey through this. Because after Michael died, I tried to muscle and I tried to fix how do how do people traditionally go for happiness? They go, all right, let's change my life. Let me make a lot of money. Let me get a lot of friends. I was going out with friends like every day. I was having phone calls every day with my friends and reaching out and and eating food that I like and doing drugs or whatever, <laughs> trying to make it all okay. And it didn't like distractions. Work. Yeah, like just fixing the life around me. Mm-hmm. But ultimately. Someone presented me with Jackie Monahan. You know Jackie Monahan? I know the name. She's a great comedian. She sat with me and she said, Aiden, what you want to do is, she changed my life with this. Aiden, what you want to do is you want to look at what Michael was giving to you emotionally and give yourself that emotionally because we all want what we want because we um, have an emotional, you, you think you'll feel better after. And at first I was like, this woman's crazy. (laughs) But then I was so desperate, I was willing to try anything. And when I started looking at things that way, I could get to the bottom of an emotional need that I was looking to satisfy. So there was a situation where I lost a big check. It's in the book. I lost a big check. Michael was the money accounting guy. When I lost a big check, I was in my apartment. I went into a tizzy. I was like, I don't know where this is. And then I was like, oh, my God, I miss you, Michael. Bawling, crying. Ah. And then I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's try what Jackie said. If Michael were here, what would he provide me right now? And if you get right down to it, at that moment, safety, security, consistency, comfort, So I can't bring Michael back from the dead. We haven't figured that out yet in science. So I have to figure out how to give myself that emotion without the middleman, right? If I'm going to get real clinical here. So at that point, I was like, comfort, comfort. All right. All right. You're okay. You're okay. We'll go through the car one more time. You're all right. You're safe. Worst case scenario, we can request another check. It'll cost you 20 bucks. It's okay. And talking to myself in those terms really was a shift for me because now each time I miss Michael, it didn't work all the time. Sometimes I would just go. (laughs) Like I would be lost. But sometimes I could go, wait, 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 hold on. What is it that Michael would give me? It's a real um, spiritual way to to deal with loss, to think like uh, like to think that like if 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 I'm if if I pass away, I would want to know that Tasha was l- living through what I used to give her by providing herself. It's we've been talking about this a few, uh, recently about the idea of like filling up your own love well, and what and it's like whatever it used to be that you would get from partners or friends. If you can, yeah, figure out a way to provide that for yourself. That way, you're you're not needing them in that sort of emotional way, and then they can be there just kind of. As a as a soulmate, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. What do you think, Tasha? Yeah, I read something recently about um, when you're going through a breakup. It's not just the person that you miss; it's the things you used to do together. It's the feelings you used to feel. It's like when you're rebuilding your life after a breakup. You're. It's not just 
placing in another person, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. There's lots of things about that person that make your relationship whole, yeah. about their personality, like you said, what they provide for you, the emotional stability, you know, like relationships are complementary. Yeah. And uh, how, I mean, it's, it would, you know, you went, you went to this tragedy late, mid 2018. And then now we've all, we're all dealing with the pandemic different, differently. Right, you right. know, we, we can't help but have these conversations uh, on the podcast without talking about how the pandemic affects all of us. But you live alone, as we talked about before the episode. Uh, I don't, I don't, in this pandemic, have to deal with that psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. How, how do you go about living alone, being told basically that you can't mingle? You, you've had your livelihood taken away in the sense that stand-up doesn't exist in the way it did before. That's a huge way that people were getting their emotional need. As far as comics go, it's getting out there, making people laugh. That's a drug. Yeah. So, so what have you done to fill that side of your sort of uh, emotional need? Well, I haven't been perfect on this, but what I've been really helped by is... Honestly, what what, the, what this book is essentially is by starting that journey, it's become a very spiritual journey. And, and so I've become much more spiritual, right? Uh, but um, I'm a very, very heady guy. So it's spirituality put in practical terms that people can actually use, right? So what it is, the way that I've been able to help myself a lot is I don't opt into suffering. I won't. So what that means is, all right, right now we're here. Tasha, Dave, I are here on the roof. I could sit here and there's a timeline. There's the past and there's the future, right? So I can go back and go, if the, I can literally, it's like a yarn. It's like a piece of yarn that's a string that goes straight through. I can go to the past and go, if this pandemic thing didn't happen, then I could literally tangle my own yarn and then have to untangle that. And that's painful. And it's a construct that I would be making based on what happened in the past. Like, for example, let's say I'm going to example. You have 10 cents in the bank account, right? 10 cents in the bank account. You could say, I have 10 cents in the bank account. Let's solve this problem. Or 10 cents in the bank account because my mother didn't teach me how to take a care of money. And I'm not good at money, so I got to go see a therapist to take care of money. But there's something broken with me, but I don't have the money to go to a therapist. If I did, then I could not be in this. Ma- like that whole thing. So it's all about moving forward. It's, it's about all about just staying present. Staying present. Not creating that additional drama. Deal with the 10 cents. Let's not create this whole other problem. You're manufacturing a problem. If I look at the future, I go, all right, I, uh, the pandemic, oh my God, will it ever be over? Will the world never be the same? Will, the will I be able to perform on stand-up comedy shows again? We don't know. I could sit here and theorize and create my own suffering. Because what kind of feeling does that bring me? I'm, I become much more conscientious of my emotional. I make decisions based on my emotional, uh, how it feels more now, right? So if I look at that and I go, we're never going to have a comedy. Like, is that going <laughs> to, I mean, like, we don't know. Right. What's that uh, acronym you use for fear? False evidence appearing real. False well, evidence appearing real. Yeah. Like, yeah, making up a story for yourself. Uh, you talk about this with anxiety versus depression. Where What is it? Anxiety is the, 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 the fear of what hasn't happened yet versus uh, depression is the what, dwelling of the past. Yeah. Uh, Petra Kobler talks about in her book um, 
about sort of the same thing that you're saying, like staying present. Don't create a false narrative. Don't make up. If you don't know exactly why something's happening, don't theorize on yeah. it. Don't make up a reason for like, oh, uh, it's specifically she's talking about anxieties about the future. But like, why bother? Yeah. It's a, it's a waste of time and energy to sort of like make a, don't dig yourself into a deeper hole making this problem bigger. Yeah. Focus on the facts you know, the problem at hand, and, and, and target solutions. You know, we're programmed for survival. That's the dangerous thing, right? So if we're programmed for survival and we, it's very easy to do. We're programmed to protect our well-being. And to identify danger. Right. Right? right. That keep That's kept us alive for millennia, right? Totally. I, identifying danger, identifying problem spots. So it has an evolutionary benefit yeah. to, to think on this kind of stuff, to yeah. do some critical thinking. While it also sabotages us. But it can sabotage you if you, if you take it too far. Yeah. We live in a relatively <laughs> safe society right we're probably safer than we've ever been we, it was funny dave and i watched that show alone oh thank you um, <laughs> and what what else have we been watching lately that was sort of survival naked and afraid no i don't <laughs> like it and afraid something else. It's just, you, you just see people unwind based on their own mental yeah uh, sort of I, like i guess because we started watching alone again but i was thinking about that i don't know what, what put this idea in my head but our ancestors, it must have been alone, survived for thousands of years yeah. without climate control. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would not make it five days on alone because I'd be too freaking cold. I'd be ah. cold and hungry and I just wouldn't be okay. But if you think about it, the whole reason we're here is because the, our ancestors did. Mm -hmm. They did survive. The cold yeah. Tasha's and got hunger. What, uh, what they call HSP. She's a highly sensitive person. I put cologne on in the bathroom and she smelled it in the other side of the apartment. She just, ever, she's very in tuned into brightness, loud noises, this and that. And that's, that's like, that is a survival trait that's got her to, to, to where she is today. Yeah. I'm sort of the opposite. I'm the Matthew McConaughey. My survival trait is saying, hey, it's going to all work out. So like, I'm able to kind of keep my immune system high by not stressing about things. Right. Combined, we need to take care of each other. I don't stress enough about finances in the sense that I'm like, that'll all work out. And Tasha's like, well, maybe start doing X, Y, and Z yeah. so you can start planning. So we have a very uh, complementary system of different ways of thinking. Does that mean I have to turn the volume down when it's at a perfectly normal level? Yeah. Like she's like you're she's everything you know what I mean she, you smell weird th you you know when I smell bad before I do you know oh. so you know all these things but it's like you look in the benefits of of what we bring to the table but it is important especially during the pandemic to realize to give to to parlay whatever this world's giving us and use it we're on a fucking roof doing a podcast yeah. this didn't exist before the pandemic but this is where we are we got it you know what i mean we got to just adapt and and be yeah. alive did you did you plan on writing the book before the pandemic or did this come about because of the pandemic i've been writing this book for a year and a half a oh, year wow. a year yeah about a year um after the first 5 months of michael uh, and I just crashed and burned. I started applying emotional principles. About three months after I started applying some of the emotional principles that I talk about in the book, I met my mentor. Her name is Enet Morton. She runs the business department at Pepperdine University, and now she works uh, for uh, Berkeley. Brilliant woman, Dr. Enet Morton, right? 
she saw me at a comedy show and we kept in touch and she's this amazing lady. She's, um, she was black. She's, she is black. <laughs> in the 90s, like, at one of the you know, top PR firms uh, working in this industry, which was a you know, different time and stuff. And so she's got a lot of insight. Amazing. And uh, she saw me at, right after Michael died. She was worried about me. And then she saw me after I've been putting this into play about February. I would say the big breakdown was November. And then February, I met her. And she noticed the difference. Not just, hi, but like real difference. And she was like, have you been doing something different? I said, I've been doing this. And she said, you should write about this. Why don't you talk to uh, my friend who's a book coach and maybe she can give you some pointers. So I talked to her, told her the story, and she said, I'm going to give you a scholarship to my program. Her name is Tessa Colvin. She's like, I'm going to give you a scholarship to my book writing program. So it's on me. Here you go. Come and join. Write your book. So she helped me write my book. So it kind of happened by accident. I didn't intend on doing this. That's, so. that's, well, not necessarily by accident, but by perfect alignment, <laughs> right? Yeah. By perfect alignment, these sort of opportunities actually, came about. I advocate for that. Okay, so <laughs> the, the, the feeling, so I initially approached feeling better because I just needed to feel better because I felt so awful, you know? And still, I still do sometimes, right? And you can only suffer for so long. Like, there's only so much that people can manage. It's sick I was suicidal. Sick and tired, yeah. After Michael died, I was like, I'm, I mean, I, there was a part in there. I'm like, I shopped for a gun. I went shopping for a gun. And I saw a gun for $70 online. And I was like, how can I just buy a gun for $70? When in person, it costs $300. What a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I'm bargain hunting for my suicide weapon. I am so cheap. I'm so cheap. <laughs> yeah, get a good deal. Come on. <laughs> Which is stupid. I could put it on a credit card if there was ever a time to put it on a credit card. <laughs> but then what happened was I was always very career motivated. And you know this, Dave. Like, you've known me for years. And I've, I've been very, I'm already I've always very focused. Um... What happened was, once I started feeling better, things started coming to me easier. Because I was more confident and easier about things that I didn't need anybody else to be any different, da-da-da-da-da. And then I started getting stuff. People wanted to be around me. Job offers. Like, easy, easy, easy. You release the dam on the, the river of opportunity. Yeah, it's you just... You just stop. The second you can get out of your own way, which comes in its own course, but the second you can get out of your own way amazing things present themselves and a lot of times they come at the brink where you think there's no other choices where it's either suicidal or some low depression it they the opportunity comes when you've almost said you know what fuck it fuck all of it yeah and then and then there's almost like some internal trigger that happens that that either stops worrying or you're just you've expended all the worry energy you could yeah so then it kind of resets you it's very interesting we as a as a society, we study so many different things, and we don't know we don't know nearly enough about how the human kind of uh, soul kind of reacts to rejection. But some people take decades to figure it out, and then some people, you know, what might have felt like a long marathon of a journey for you, you can figure it out in a much quicker way because you're able to be in touch with your emotions. This is why your mentor found you. They always say your mentor finds you, right? Because you're out there you know, pouring your soul on stage. And if anyone, if any comic, I could say, pours their soul on stage, it's you. Oh, You're thanks. big energy. I love watching you perform. It's fun. Oh, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. That's how stand-up should be. And what I love about first time, what I love about 
uh, comics that write books. It's, it might be your first book you wrote, but you've been accessing this spiritual voice for, like you said, 15 years. You don't need a degree at NYU uh, book writing school to just all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, sure, you might not have the structure of this or that, but that's all for someone else to help you with. You've got the voice, you've got the, you know, you've already got the medium of stand-up and now you're applying it to book writing. What we talked about before uh, you came on the podcast the other day was how you said for a while you were, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you tell me, but embarrassed or, 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 or shy about being spiritual on stage. Now you, now you talk about you want to be more motivational with your act? Right. Well, it's not so much spiritual. It's more like, um, so... <laughs> well, we were talking about NLP. Yeah, NLP. We're, so right. let's bring that up. So what's the what's the SparkNotes version of NLP? Okay, so uh, neural, it's neuro-linguistic programming. Right. Neuro-linguistic programming is, the, the way I like to use it <laughs> is, all right, oh, okay. I, I still have a hard time sharing about this, you know, because I, you know, I don't use it. I don't, maybe I don't use it in the traditional sense, maybe, right? But Tasha has a mental map of the world and you have a mental map of the world. What does that mean? Okay, so we can both agree that this is black, right? Brown. It looks black to me. I don't know. We're on a roof. Can we agree on that? We're we're on a roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then there's all these things like, okay, so Aiden is Korean, but Aiden, based on his, and that's a fact. That's an objective truth. Objective truth. We're on a roof. Aiden's Aiden. But then most people in the world, 99% of the people in the world do not know the difference between subjective truth and objective truth. So what they do is they go based on their past experience, make a bunch of subjective truth, their objective truth. And that is now their model of the world with which they live. So I could sit here and go, Asian guys have a hard time in the entertainment industry. That's a subjective truth. I will make that my objective truth and function as if that is true. So you're creating limitations and hardships because of a truth that you've ingrained inside of you. Yeah, a false narrative. It could be a false. It, it, there, it's just subjective, right? So it's like it's like not. It's it's there's no. It's not good or bad. You're saying it's whatever. Yeah, it's, whatever it's neutral. It is. Troll, it's just their map of the world, right? It's your outlook. Yeah. If I have an outlook that all drivers suck. <laughs> which they do, (laughs) then I'm going to operate from a place where I've got to be defensive driver. I've got to be on edge the whole time. What are you chewing on? Oh, cough drop. Oh, you got a big (laughs) hole. You look like a chipmunk over there. Yeah. Sorry, I'm distracted. Yeah, so, so, so you, so. Whereas Dave just assumes that everybody's doing the best they can. Yeah. So his driving is very relaxed. (laughs) So it's like. What, what I like to do is if I get to know somebody, I like to figure out their map of the world through their languaging. You can tell very quickly, like pretty quickly, like where they stand and if they're applying any manipulation tactics or if they're what their values are, blah, blah, blah. And what they feel that they need to do, it's revealed very quickly if you just talk to them. Right. So now I have a mental map of where you stand and where you stand that I will operate when I talk to you, I will operate based on that map. Right. Okay. So I'm not going to push my agenda on you. I'm not going to try to fight for my map of the world being right over yours. I'll just operate with your map because it's all subjective anyway. And I don't need to be right. So if you feel like all drivers are bad, I'm not going to necessarily agree with you, but I'm going to know getting in the car with Tasha, like <laughs> this she is thinks gonna all be drivers are ride. terrible. <laughs> so maybe, 
I don't know. We can listen to some chill music or I, I don't know, whatever. Like there's so many options, but now I know how to make the best experience for the both of us based on the map that I'm aware of that you have. Brian, right? I, Brian, but I could have used this when I went to see my Trump supporting family last week. I could have really <laughs> used uh, uh, this, uh, you know, kind of lack of abrasion really because you're not sort of challenging people. Well, it doesn't views. work the, because, okay, like there's, li- there's a part of the brain called reticular activating system, right? And this is a, a, I learned this through NLP. Literally, It'll generalize, distort, and delete information that does not match the belief that you already have. So if you come at me with Trump sucks and I'm holding on to Trump for some reason, like he's my, like my life is so shitty that he needs to win in order for my life to be better. Some kind of- My facts don't matter. My facts won't matter to you. Yeah. It'll just, and, and they'll see you as a threat because they'll be like, he is threatening what I perceive to be my way of surviving. So you become the enemy or- if you do infiltrate and you do change their mind, it disturbs their reality. And now that's they are hopeless. Re- that's highly uncomfortable. And people will avoid that at all costs. Yeah. It's called... Um, it's a fight or flight, really. It's because it's like you, you ever, we all just want to be in our tribe. So you're basically, by challenging somebody, you're putting their wall up in a sense where they they basically have to learn that for themselves. It's cognitive dif- dissonance mm. is what it's called. But here's the trick. If you get them to feel safe with you, they'll listen to anything. Here's the thing. If you go... Okay, well, Trump, like, why do you like Trump? If they're like, oh, like, I like Trump because I feel like I'm in a situation where I think he could really help me. It's like, I understand that you really want help and you create that rapport later. I mean, I've had this hardcore Trumpers, right? Who'll sit with me at first sentence that comes out. I'm a gay Asian. They're assuming that I'm going to argue with them. So they approach me with that. I'm like, oh, whatever. After a while of talking to them, I can say, hey, man, like after they feel safe, I can say, now I know their map of the world, whatever. You know, it's just hard for me to vote Trump because uh, I'm, I'm a gay person and it might be voting against my best interest. And you know, you can understand that as a gay person, how I might have a challenge. They will say, yeah, man. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And that opens the door for, it, it softens it. It's like you've created this one connection, which might be small, but all you need is a spark to create something larger. Yeah. And that's what I say whenever I deal with trolls online. I'll generally re- won't respond to somebody if they're really like vitriolic, but a lot of times I will respond because it helps the algorithm. So I go, oh, if, someone <laughs> wants, if someone wants to shit on me on YouTube, I'll listen to them. Yeah. I swear 99% of the time they apologize. And then they go, they go, oh, yeah, I'll be, they'll be like, oh, your podcast sucked. You know, we got a lot of hate for this one episode and a lot of hate. We got thousands of negative. It went viral. Why? Uh, because we were challenging um, a, a guy's fan base online. <laughs> and we weren't challenging his fan base. We were challenging uh, him. And then it led into this, like, man, fuck you. And we got a lot of fuck yous, a lot of go kill yourselves types of deal. Oh. But I go, hey, hey, do that again. And, and, and for some, yeah, no, seriously. But for some, for a lot of people that were reasonably upset, I would like, I was like, you know what? We've recorded this episode about two months into the quarantine. And you're right. We were kind of lazy and didn't really uh, execute our points, but we tried the best we could. And I, and I, and I say, you know what? If you listen to our newer stuff, we're up on the roof. We got a little bit more passion. We're kind of like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We're not kind of like cooped up inside during the, you know, the, the greatest quarantine of our lifetimes. And, and a lot of people go, you know, okay, cool. Like I get it. Yeah, all right, you just had a, it wasn't your best, you know, whatever. So by being humble and not being responding, you know what, man, fuck me, fuck you. By not yeah. doing that, 
Ninety nine times out of ten, people go, "Oh yeah, I was really harsh on you," you know, blah blah blah, and it kind of just dissolves it. Yeah. And it's not about winning or losing. It's about me not getting my blood pressure up, knowing that they're human, even though they're they're commenting and trolling is super toxic. It's usually just a bunch of people that want to be heard. Yeah, it's like, what are they like? <laughs> I think it's so you hit. It's such a good point. It's like actually whatever. Whenever people do something, they're actually going for an emotional result, right? So when they say something mean online, it's generally, what is it? It's not to tell you that you suck. It's actually a cry for, they want to feel significant. They want to feel heard. They want to feel, they see you as an enemy because it, it, it um, contradicts their belief on their world, you know, whatever. What is it that they're trying to get emotionally at the end of the day? So when people do things, you can actually take a look at like, all right, like, why did they do this? What is it that they need? And when you start functioning from that end, it actually, can I tell you a story? Sure, sure. So I was helping my friend uh, with a funeral that she was putting together with her uncle, right? And I was there to support her and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was helping move groceries in. And the uncle was like, bring all the groceries from the truck to the dining room table. And so I did. And then, but he, he's older, so he can't move, right? So he sits there and he goes, okay, well, what's in that one? And I, I'm like, Capri Sun. He's like, that goes to the front door. So now we're backtracking. And the way we're doing it is open that bag. There's like, I don't know, 40 bags. You open the bag, tell them what it is, one item at a time, moving it back. It's not a smart way to do it, right? So it's not, it's not. And so at that point, my initial instinct was to go, hey, can, you know, like, let's do it a different way. But then I stepped back and I was like, okay, so what is the big function of this? This man lost his brother. He feels that he needs to be in charge of this. What is my job here? My job is not to get this done quickly. My job is to help be supportive of these people the best I can. What is the best thing that I could do to support these people? Let him be in charge. I'll walk back and forth as many times and respect that he needs to do this. And honor it. You know you're not putting someone in critical danger. It's, a, it's like how I let Tasha uh, set up the, uh, the tent when we go camping. I could figure it out, but you'd, you'd do it better. You know where everything goes. And I go, I think the real strong case for a leader is somebody who's willing to delegate and let somebody do something, even if it's not the way they would do it. Yeah. You know, you know what's so awesome? Can I tell you this? Sure. I, I'm going to get so much This is your podcast. You for do this. whatever you want. <laughs> I, my favorite TV show was The Apprentice. Okay. Like, seriously, I learned all my business. Okay, I didn't go to college. I learned all my business tactics from The Apprentice. Like, I ran four years of, of Laugh Factory show, uh, the LGBT show, from what I learned on The Apprentice. Like, there was an episode where this girl had to put on a circus and sell a bunch of tickets, and she went... Kendra from season three, she went <laughs> and approached all of the kids stores around the area and said, you give us something to raffle off and we'll raffle off your item and advertise and you have to send out our, you know, advertise for us. And so I was like, that's a good idea. So when I got, had my show at the Laugh Factory, I was like, I went to, you know, all the gay places in WeHo and said, the same thing. I followed that exact same model and I sold out that show every time based on what I learned on The Apprentice, which is, wow, you know, it's so awesome. Trump and Business School actually did something. It actually, <laughs> I mean, I learned so much, you guys, marketing, um, your branding, like, because you can see who gets fired for what reason, right? Right. 
And my favorite thing I've ever learned on that show is this guy was very loud. He was like, I'm putting this together and da 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 da. And then he had a, a, like, they were in the final two. He was with a girl who was like, okay, she was very laid back. And they were like, well, why should we pick you instead of him? He directed everything, right? And she was like, I let him direct because he was the director, but I was the producer. And where he was falling short, I knew. But he can't do what I do. I can, I can spot where he's going to fall short and fill in the gaps. He cannot do this. He can only direct. So I let him direct. And she won. And I thought that was so beautiful because I was like, that's the way to live life. It's like, let people be exactly how they are. You know the mental map. Let them do it. It's not hurting anybody. Yeah. It's great. That's a great. great way to be. Now, what's the general, like, what's the overall reason people get into NLP? What, what, what are they looking for? Is it about um, bonding with others or is it about, like, what, you know, because I, I hear about neuro-linguistic programming in, like, the, um, the dating world where, like, you know, in, like, the seduction world where it's, like, learning how to connect with people. Like, what is, what is what, why did you get Wait, into it? We, uh, just so I'm clear, I was thinking that NLP was the thing where you, like, touch pressure points. Is that a different acronym? That's, that's also the, uh, it's the same one. Okay. Yeah. Right. You can't hear this, yeah, but we're NLP. getting some weird feedback here. I gotta fix this. Yeah, there's, like, a radio station getting tapped into this. Do you hear, are you okay now? I hear what it. What the fuck is that? Literally a Spanish radio station. Right. It's all, it's very it's very low in the background, but I don't want people to think that it's um. You know Have what? we ever been able to hear it on the track before though? Does it actually stay yeah, in the it, recording? It does, but we're fine now. It just went away. Okay. We'll, we'll deal with it. So if you you know sorry. So well, if you hear so it's on the radio station, it's like Yoki <laughs> Sentiera. Right. You're just making stuff up. Um, so it is the pressure point thing. It is. It um, NLP. Oh, again, a controversial talk. I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming that doesn't really think that all of the tactics work. <laughs> okay. So maybe it's a it trial and error. Maybe yeah. some things work better for some people and other yeah. things work better for other people. I'm not sold on all of it. You know okay. what I mean? Um, I think they have a lot to offer, but it is the pressure point. So it's like, um, you know, if you have this, if you get yourself into a really great feeling state. Like say you just won a lottery and you feel so good. At that moment, if you touch this area right here, right? Or whatever, Your whatever middle area, knuckle. pick whatever area, okay. right? Any like place. here, here, whatever, somewhere that you wouldn't necessarily feel it. Now your brain has linked that feeling It's an to association. Association. Okay. So you can bring yourself into state Oh, I feel like I want So if every time you're feeling 1000% you touch the same spot then theoretically if you touch that spot when not in that state you could trigger that state. Correct. Okay. Wow. This actually is kind of like beneficial for actors if every time you're sad you like touch a spot yeah. and then it, you, when you need to cry on camera you just touch that spot. I would spot. love to give Tasha the, uh, like a spot so that way if she's in a bad mood I can just like touch her shoulder and she's happy again. Yeah. <laughs> now how does NLP like how do you how do you use NLP within stand up? Okay, so say okay. <laughs> this okay, like it's very unconscious, it's a very subconscious kind of thing. You we all do it. You know, look, I mean, look at us right now. So 
Tasha's legs crossed. Your legs are crossed and my legs are crossed. That is called mirroring. We're all each, and I, we weren't thinking about this, were we? You're holding your mic with one hand. You are, hey, I am. Hey, I did. I mirrored right? you. I, I never take my mic out of the stand. Right? So we are all mirroring each other. We don't even know. It's because we're all in rapport. We're designed to do this, right? But when you're aware of it, it's very cool because this is how, like, it's, I, I forget the, it's like 70% or something, 70% all about physical. So we are, since we're all in rapport, right? We're all getting along. Now, Now, if I go, I'm out of rapport you, with you. You switch the rapport yeah. up. Right. So if we are really in rapport, if I do this, you guys subconsciously. will- Subconsciously. Subconsciously follow. Kind of, right? And you won't even know you're doing it. Right. right. So um, when I do comedy and I uh, unconsciously, right, I, I, ha I laugh at my own jokes. I don't care. I think I'm hilarious. I don't care. I really, I really don't. I, I like it, you know. So when I'm on stage and I do, and when I laugh at my own jokes, it creates a subconscious kind of thing. Oh, this is where I laugh. And so the audience goes, ha, ha, ha. They laugh along when I laugh. Or, Almost like being the leader Give, is like providing permission for yeah. other people to do the same. Totally. Yeah. And you create rapport. And so the way, <laughs> uh-oh, I'm revealing all my secrets. <laughs> I have audience work built into my comedy. Of course. And I have audience, and I make sure to do audience work. If I have a long set, it's audience work that it's built in for the first 10 minutes. I will take somebody, multiple people, and create rapport with them through audience work that I already have planned, right? So if I do that and I am successful in three or four of those, then the entire room feels safe and they will go with me wherever. And I have already anchored the ha ha ha. So if I go ha ha ha, then they all laugh. And I have rapport going on. If you have rapport and you've anchored where they're supposed to laugh, they're with you, right? So I think it's been really helpful in that way in stand-up comedy. Yeah, it's one of those things that once, it, like, just like you said, it's cool once you n are aware of it. Yeah. Because you can sort of not manipulate in, like, the bad sense, but you can give, per you can provide permission, you can provide comfort, you can lead people into the state that yeah. you would like them to be in. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, you know, I think it can be used for not necessarily the best of intentions yeah. <laughs> yeah like the dating world dave was talking about yeah. what is that honey what the pickup people oh like seduction yeah how do they use nlp i'm not sure but i think it's all about getting somebody on your wavelength and it's like same thing like with sales where you're trying to get somebody to agree with you um of course there can probably be sinister ways to use it versus you know like yours if you're just if you're just doing stand-up and you're happy and you're laughing you want to get the audience on board and laugh i mean that's yeah. perfectly or if you're doing it as part of therapy which is where i've heard of it from most people doing the mm -hmm. pressure point and stuff is yeah. like if you're doing it to manage anxiety or your emotions like hell yeah wow what a cool trick
All right, folks, we had to take a quick break there, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, what, what the fuck were we just talking about? We're, we're talking about NLP. NLP. We had some technical difficulties here on the roof. Even though it's even though it's cloudy and there's literally soot falling on us. It's still this, bright as hell. It's still so I got hot my sunglasses. and bright. The thing's heating up. We got a Mexican we're radio station <laughs> kicking in. If you hear that in the background, don't change the dial. That's just uh, the way we do it here in Koreatown. But anyway, uh, let's, let's finish strong here. So we were talking oh. about NLP and how it relates to different... You know, different. You know, whether you're in sales or trying to, you know, uh, relate to somebody. But on, but as a stand-up, you're trying to relate to the audience. Yeah. So you can't. You got to go up there with a certain energy that they're going to relate to, and, or or bring them onto you. So like taking a crowd that's not laughing, but if you go up there on stage laughing, you're dictating what's going to happen. You're 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 creating this trajectory. Yeah. That's that's going to be way way more chances of success than if you went on stage and matched their negative energy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I'm just like I would say I'm not a comics comic. Like I'm not everybody's favorite because my jokes are simple. I like having fun. That's it, you know. So like here, like you know, like I'm I just like going up there, having fun, making simple jokes. Everybody laughs. Everybody's a good time. Good. Everybody good. Yay. Have a good night. That's kind of my style. I'm not about cerebral, you know, like if you want that, go, go see somebody, you know, somewhere else. Right. Like I just want to have fun. So that, that kind of style of comedy, um, really is heavily dependent on rapport. Yeah. Actually, it's not my joke structure that makes me. It's like Ron Funches giggles. He's, He's got an infectious laughter. He's known as a giggling comic. You know, some comics, it's tough. It's tough as a as a fellow comic to see somebody on stage who's not authentic with their laughing, and you know that this thought isn't funny to them. You know that they're just laughing because that's what they do. They that's chuckle their after. Cue. Yeah. <laughs> and so there is this thing where comics kind of judge each other for laughing after their jokes. Yeah. But there's obviously a difference between something that's more authentic. Like if you are going up on stage to have a good time and you're laughing, and in the sit and that's the situation and that's the energy you want to create. There's no looking down on that. Yeah. That's that's a that's what that can be way harder for somebody who's got a personality type that you know can only write like a setup punch joke and then they move on stoic dead faced yeah. it's just different you know there's just different energies can i address something about the nlp thing sure um so before michael died i was way more about using those techniques consciously but after michael died i kind of started not giving a shit i was like i don't care this is what I like, and that's it. And, and that's the thing. Like, okay, so you can go on a date. The way you go on a date changes. Like, so you can go on a date with the intent of making sure. If we went on a date, Tasha, if we went on a date, date <laughs> I compliment your legs. Yeah, sure. I mean, I could go with the intent to make rapport with you. And sure, I could bend this way and that way and do all kinds of shit and get, get to be. But the thing is, I want someone who's compatible with me. So it's much easier for me if I just do what I like and see if we're compatible. 
And if we're not, then okay, great, awesome. You know, that, versus knowing you can create a spark that's right. not necessarily authentic to your own happiness and energy that's level. That's painful, not only for you, but also for me. Right? And long term, I mean, boy, you might be able to like fool yourself into compatibility yeah. with some with someone, but at some point you're gonna wanna stop pretending. It's miser well, it's miserable. It's miserable. <laughs> you know? And before, like, I don't know, like with the comedy, like I, I used to be more like, oh, I got to be a little more this way or that way or this way or that way. And like, ultimately it was just like, you know what? I don't want to do, what's the point of doing that? I'm just going to do what I like to do and that's it. And create rapport in the way that I like and find my audience. And that's, I don't, I don't care. And it's, that is, I think, yes, you can use NLP to get the results you want, but are you aware that that is the result that you act is that the result you actually want or is that the result that you think will bring you something else like if i get you to date me then will i be satisfied or i mean you know what i mean are you just right. a tool for me to reach something else so nlp is a tool it's like um it's like a jazz musician learns the chords they learn they learn the scales so they know that so well that then they can dance around it you learn how to play the f sharp scale perfectly so that you never play it perfectly again <laughs> so that's kind of the idea so like you, you master something so well that then you can throw it away like yeah. any good actor any good scene you memorize the line so well that you just dance around the way it's supposed to go and you can kind of become weird with it totally. versus if you're reading something for the first time you're kind of rigid you don't it's like doing a bit when you're doing a new bit on stage it's hard sometimes to get it out the way you want to because you might overthink it or you might kind of not have the flow versus like something that you know you have confidence in the story you're about to tell yeah and I've, I've found one of my greatest weaknesses on stage specifically with comedy is like if if i can't get the audience to where i want them to go i'll 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 let them win sometimes sometimes i'll let them win and i'll have a hard bad set versus other times if i if i trust in the audience we're having fun my kind of crowd i'll feel that confidence doubled in whatever jokes that were good now become great yeah and i guess that the 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 struggle is getting to that next level where you're not letting anyone else dictate how you're going to be. Hmm. And that's, and I think that's the it's next tough. level. It's tough. Whether it's dating, job interviews, knowing that, it, you know, getting rid of the, the economics of it where it's like, if you're going for a job interview, yeah, you might really need that job, but they really need to hire somebody who's good for it. Right. So you either shine or you don't. Yeah. Or it's a match or not. And this is a dating, uh, 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 podcast. So I'll say this. It's like, I don't have problems getting men, right? And <laughs> the the reason why I and, and it's not just like I mean anybody can get fucked, you know, if you're gay. But like <laughs> I mean, like men want relationships with me, and here is why, right? And since especially since adopting this message, right? Look, I've done my work. I know myself to know I can do. I want this is what I know. I want a monogamous relationship. Somebody I want somebody else who wants a monogamous relationship fully. Like, and not just mess, not just trying to get good with me. I want a monogamous relationship. I'm a big old bottom, so I need a top, right? I like older guys, great. Like, I have all these <laughs> things. Like, I like somebody who is spiritually connected, blah, blah, blah. You know so, exactly your criteria. I you know, know what you need. I know what I need. So if I'm going on a date with you, it's not about creating rapport with you. I'm going on a date with you to get to know each other, to see if we're compatible. That's it. To get the, so, the authentic person out of whoever it is you're talking to. Yeah, and so if I'm talking to you and I'm like, okay, like, 
And I'm not trying to change your map of the world. I'm not going to manipulate you into being a top. I'm not going to manipulate you into being a monogamy guy. Are you a monogamy person? Are you a top? Are you are you my type physically? Yes or no? That's it. And how do, you su- to- how do you suss that out if the other person doesn't know? Like when I when Tasha and I first started dating, I had not been in a committed relationship really. Yeah. So I didn't know if I possessed that ability to be that guy. Well, you feel it out. You feel it out and you see, you know what I mean? And you just see where it goes. If they don't know, that's an honest answer. Great. If you don't know, you don't know. Great. You know what I mean? But it puts you in a place of having such power because again, I have no interest in changing you at all. You're perfect. Your big old bottom, that's perfect. That's great. You should find the top. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> we can be great friends. Great. You you want open relationship? Great. You go open. So like, no judgment. I just want to know who you are. See if we're compatible. Versus someone saying, I'll call you next week, knowing full well you're not compatible with them, and then you just ghost them. Do you know what happens? Not even the ghosting. Like, just getting it wrong and playing along with someone who is not actually the right person for you. It's interesting because, obviously, you've got it very figured out. But do you think that the gay community in general is more in touch in that way? That they're less inclined to, like, put up with bullshit that's not exactly right for them or, like, fake it? Because I I think that it's, it's something that... I don't know if there are as many people and maybe it's just individuals. Maybe I'm really generalizing that are in touch in that way in straight relationships, right? You know, because straight relationships, I see women all the time doing just like a lot, jumping through a lot of hoops, like doing a lot of mental gymnastics, trying to convince themselves that this person is compatible for them. Right. And thinking she'll change him later on down the line, which is going to cause a big problem. Yeah, is this relationship actually worth pursuing? Yeah. You know? Uh, if, oh, by if, the way, it's not a gay community thing. It's a people thing. An individual. People don't know them. I'm sorry. I, I, that sounds so harsh. People really don't know themselves. NLP no. makes you know yourself, right? So, a lot of people haven't done the work because no it is very challenging. It's challenging. And you have to have a lot of confidence to be able to jump into yourself and know this is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I need. I'm okay with walking away from something that isn't exactly perfect right. that requires boatloads of balls well, right the thing the thing that the, the way i got there was the michael thing right so when i met michael like we were kind of codependent right like i was dependent on him for my feelings of safety and confidence right so as i started approaching these things where what would he give me confidence so i started habitualizing myself into states of uh, into being able to provide myself confidence, provide myself whatever I was leaning on him for, right? Now, relationship isn't as necessary for me. It's not like, oh my God, I need this so that I can get my need met. It's more like, if we're a match, let's have a great time. If not, okay, cool. And why would you settle for less than best when you know what best looks like? Yeah. And you've got it all going on for yourself. I was Simone Biles with this, Michael. Why do I need to go and do Junior Olympics? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't need that. There's somebody listening right now that's getting ready to dump their boyfriend. <laughs> They're like, well, it's just not going to be satisfying, right? It's not going to be You just know yourself. Same. And, mm-hmm. like, that's the thing. Like, you know, whatever listeners, like, I really, like, if you know yourself well enough to know what you're looking for and you're not the this is the best best advice that I can give for happiness best advice 
This is a piece of wood. Don't sit there and go, why aren't you metal? <laughs> You're a woman. Why aren't you a man? You know, and she's like, no, but like, you know, and if the relationship is dysfunctional enough, you might be, not, I'm not, I'm, you <laughs> might be like, I can be a man. I can be a man. Look, watch. Hey. You know, I take the bottom. I can be like, hey, why can't you be a top? And they go, I can be a top. I want a relationship so badly. I can be a top. That's, that will never be a top. Okay. It's a bottom. <laughs> so I don't want to change anybody. And if I sense that you're trying to shift for my benefit or because you need to get your need met, that's a danger because that is not truly who it is. This piece of wood can tell me all day that it's a piece of metal, but it's not going to be a piece of metal. And I don't want a piece of metal who is actually a piece of wood. It's like the giving tree, right? The giving tree was the most codependent thing ever because it cut itself to pieces to give to this guy until it was only a stump. No. It couldn't even offer him shade. It was just a stump for the guy to sit on. But what happens when you're codependent is you'll give like the giving tree, but then you'll resent when it's not reciprocated. Yeah. And it should never be reciprocated at that level yeah. because it's too, it's too much in the first place. Yeah. And you know what? You want to know something? Tasha, here's the thing. I can't fuck you. Okay. But you're so great, and I love you just how you are, and you're so cute. I have this great, cute model friend that we can be friends with. I, I get to be the casting director for my life. You are great in the role of friend who I can do yoga with. You are great in the role of friend that I can talk to about deep whatever. We I can you cry know, in a car together. Friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can't fuck you. I'm not gonna sit here and try to get you to be gay. You see what I'm saying? No interest. You could try a little bit. It'll make me feel good. <laughs> I, 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 I can I, use that affirmation. No chance, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> She's sitting right there. No chance. She'll fucking rip my hair out. <laughs> but like, if you just accept people for exactly how they are and you play the casting director, you have all the power. And ironically, when you approach dating that way, guess what? What happens? Every single person's like, what's he got? Why does he not care? They're like, oh my God. And you get all kinds of people who will try to shift, but you have to be astute enough and have enough self-confidence to not buy into the shifting. If someone actually wants babies and you don't want babies, and then later they're like, oh, maybe I could not have babies. Maybe that would be okay. That is not the match for you. You have to know that and make the best decision for you. You don't want somebody two like nights that. ago where, where we were making sure we were on the same page because we're engaged and all this. And I think we are on the same page that so we're like, well, we could, we couldn't like, we're not, I don't think either of us are hardcore in either direction, which is kind of that that's where we are. Right. Would you agree? I mean, we're both like, if you, if you were like, you know, you could sell me on having kids. You could also sell me on traveling and being and not having kids. I mean, and I think I could sell you too, depending on where we are in life. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. I I have always wanted, like Dave said earlier, that he's more of a go with the flow kind of guy. And I'm more of like a planner and like having like a roadmap. Right. Yeah. So when it comes to finances, I'm like, honey, you need a 401k. <laughs> you just need it. Yeah. Um, and I it's been important to me that we do some premarital counseling. We haven't gone and seen anyone professional for it, but I stumbled across this post um, that was about like, it was a person getting married asking if you could give me any advice. It was in a financial group. What do I need to consider before we get married? And there was a ton of great um, advice in the comments. And so we were just kind of going through it. Like say one of our parents got sick. What's the plan? Because we should have a plan for this hypothetical. Do we move home to take care of them? Yeah. 
Do we relocate someone here? You know, what's, what is our roadmap? We yeah. need to make sure that we're comfortable in each other's decision. Oh, you get a job offer in a different city. Does the person who's making more money automatically get to dictate that yeah. decision? Should we move? Whatever. That's the kind of stuff you need to know in advance. So do you want me if, to try to do this NLP thing for a little bit here? Yeah. So if you feel that way, and what does that sound like to you? So what does planning sound like to you? Well, we agree on on the sense that we want, we're trying to create a life that's as um, footloose as possible, where our income is not dictated by our present location. We can take the podcast wherever we can create from wherever. So if we did have to move somewhere, whether it's for a short amount of time or, or whatever, I think we're, I think we're both on the same page there where it comes to like our professions don't we're we're basically freelance lifestyle. We're not being defined by where we work and what we do, which is kind of like, you know, it comes with some negatives, but the positives are the ability to pack up, move, pack up travel. You know, we're not relying on vacation days. We don't have bosses, things like that. Yeah. So there's no issue. There's no, no, there's there's, no. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying there was an no, issue no, th there. No, no. This like isn't. Yeah, we don't. We don't have big ideological differences uh, in those types At of ways. At least that we have come across yet, which is okay. why we do this experiment okay. from time to time with these hypotheticals. Mm -hmm. uh, we both have been very like laissez-faire. Well, we could, we couldn't when it comes to kids. Yeah. So I like to revisit it on a monthly basis. But hey, we're we, still on the same page. If, right? if we took a hard stance the first day we started dating, we might not have made it this far, but also back then we kind of just took it slow. Yeah. We weren't on some crazy timeline. We just felt it out. Yeah. And whether it's through pure bliss, uh, uh, woeful ignorance or whatever, we just kept on choosing the right doors. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that there's, like, yes, and there are things that are non-negotiable for you and non-negotiable for you, and you have matched that. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm being very cl clear about, you know, but I'm like, I'm negotiable on, you know, I don't know, race, you know? I'm negotiable on where do we need to live, you know? But or, not top or bottom. What? But not top or but bottom. No. You got it. You figured <laughs> it out. No. No. We cannot. Because I tried topping set. for a few times and it just didn't work out for me. <laughs> I tried topping like 20 times. Well, you, yeah. gave it, you gave it the old college try. You, you give it a shot and yeah. it didn't well, work out. Well, you never know until you try, right? Now, I yeah. want to, we got to promote this book one more time because we got to get out of here okay. in a couple <laughs> minutes. What I love about this, uh, Tasha, he was telling me between chapters, there's a QR code and you can scan it and then you have a video relating to each chapter. Right. So um, I have a video blog, right? Where like it's like 10, 15 minutes each addressing a different topic, right? To help everybody feel better. And um, each chapter has a point. So... At the end of each chapter, there's a QR code. You flash it. It lands on my video blog, and it should it gives you tools to help you. And my entire site is like designed to help people feel better. So it's very extensive. It's like okay, like you want to feel empowered here, inspiration here, why you should feel happy here, what not to do to not be happy here. Like so, it's very laid out in a way designed to help everybody feel better. So now, I hope you'll uh, visit. Uh, pardon the pun, but you knock it out of the park with that photo. Ha, ha, that is ha, the best ha. cover photo of any. And then what, Tasha, I was just going to read it. So just what's the cover say? It says, The Art of Being Yay, the OMG NSFW Memoir and Guide to Authentic Joy. And you have a forward by Margaret Cho, who I believe is the most famous Korean comedian of all time. Am I She's wrong? She's the first person I saw on TV when I moved here when I was nine. She gave probably Koreans more representation in the U.S. than I mean, I, I, I you tell me if I, I would, I would yeah. assume she's she's up there. How do you, how do you get uh, someone of her stature to write the forward for you? 
I I asked. <laughs> she was uh, look. She, she's uh, been very generous. I opened for her a couple times, and um, uh, you know, I've been on a couple shows with her, and we uh, stay in touch. And so when I said I was writing this book, I thought, you know, please, like, uh, it'd be really great to have you write the forward. And she was happy to do it. That's amazing. She's very generous, very kind, very fun person. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing to have someone kind of uh, co-sign your book like that. Yeah, it's Tasha's pretty cool. Through. Yeah, right. Isn't it great to have, to, to be able to, I mean, for everyone listening, you know, definitely we'll put a link to this. Where, where can people find, we'll put a link in the podcast and on the YouTube description, but where can people find this podcast uh, for, find the book? Okay. So, um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, go to my website, aidenpark.com, A-I-D-A-N-P-A-R-K.com. And there's a whole book section and you can link in or whatever. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone go out there and get a copy and then let us know what you think of it. And uh, what else, Tasha? What are you looking over there? Practical tools for empowering yourself for the life that you want. Yeah. That's what I need. And yeah. if anyone's been through the trenches in the last couple of years, it's you. And, uh, and I, I mean this when I say it, like uh, your authenticity uh, unapologetically resonates with, uh, with everyone you touch. Oh, um, wow. It's, it's always, we always come out of our chats with you feeling better. I can't wait oh, till we're ooh. doing stand-up together again. Yay. Get you back on the Mimosa show. For anyone listening to Oh my to God, the, the Mimosa show. Yeah. The freaking, you know who, I, I met such a good friend out of that, the stripper. Caroline Georges. I oh, freaking yeah. love Caroline Georges. She is so <laughs> crazy in the I, best way. I forgot you guys were on the show together. I love the Mimosa shows, the live oh. stand-up shows we do with all of our, all of, you know, all of the, these hilarious stand-ups that are on the shows or also past podcast guests. I got to find a way to do like a nice little outdoor mimosa show so we can do, do that. Can you do it here? Uh, I don't like this spot for it. Maybe. I, I don't think so. Tasha wouldn't like having a bunch of random people over here. Stop on over. a roof. If we had a more finished roof, maybe. But I, I, I would love to find a little park with a little like garden amphitheater. You know, like those, those, yeah. uh, those outdoor gardens that have a couple of raised seats where we can, you know, crack out the mimosas and do something. So if anyone's listening and has uh, a place like that where we can perform. Uh, I'm sure we'll, there are. We'll go out there and do know. it. But yeah, thanks so much. Uh, come back anytime. And, and um, uh, anything else, Tasha, you want to say? Promote? No. Things like that. Uh, if anyone is listening, go check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash thesap, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. I do a private weekly episode where I can talk a little bit more bullshit, um, you know, behind, this, behind the paywall. So shout out to Deirdre. She, uh, she sent us a generous Venmo. I, got, I just got my tooth pulled a couple days ago. Oh, no. And she, she actually, no, I'm sorry. I don't know why. The, it wasn't because of the tooth. I, I just released a vlog about how I got stitches last month because I cut my hand really bad. Uh-huh. And she watched the vlog and then sent me 50, uh, sent me 50 bucks. Oh, my God. Part of That's the, a lot uh, of money. Yeah, I know she's super sweet. She's out there in Georgia. We uh, for every Deirdre, we have a, we have uh, dozens of other people that are just as generous, and it's been so great to have them kind of uh, follow us along this journey. But again, uh, it really has added up over time how long we've kind of known each other. Now it's nice God. to have the, these sort of connections where we're what eight years probably. I mean, oh I've, no, I've been here for about seven, so I met you pr- pretty close to when I first got here. Oh, geez. And um, we're only we're only going up, Aiden. We're going we're shooting for yeah, the stars. So we're killing it, it. It's good to have someone like you who's. Uh, yeah. We're we're very similar too. We we both love our sugar. We're we're kind of the same age. We kind of got the same thing going on. Oh yeah, we have diet things. <laughs> yeah, we got diet things. So anyway, stay. You know, we we gotta hang yeah. out more and not just podcasting. I know it's tough with the pandemic and everything. And but you guys are awesome too. Can I just say, like, you guys are like, you know, I mean, like with the pandemic going on, I think you guys are doing so great with with creating your own content. And you guys are hustlers. So like, you know, you you guys all know this, but I'm just saying it. 
out loud. I appreciate it. Thank mm-hmm. you. I yeah. accept all That's forms of compliments. Sweet. There's no stopping that. <laughs> Thanks again for and and uh, lastly Instagram and uh, anything oh, else you want to promote. Uh, Aiden Park Show. A I D A N P A R K Show. Aiden Park Show. And then AidenPark.com to buy the book, The Art of Being. Yay! Uh, that's the podcast. Thanks so much for coming by. Aiden. Thank Appreciate you. It. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. There it was, folks. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Aiden Park. As always, like I said, go support him. Uh, buy his book, AidenPark.com. I think it's also on Amazon. It's called The Art of Being. Yay! And for one lucky SAP listener, we'll send you a copy this week. So you know what to do. You heard that at the beginning. Just share an Instagram uh, uh, promo of the SAP, and we will send it to you in the domesticated. US of A. I hope you guys have a great week. And if you haven't done this already, check out the Patreon. I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you, but every week I'm doing a private solo episode um, on our Patreon. It's a private membership only community, and it's where people can go to support the podcast if they have the funds and ability and love and want to. There's actually a free episode up there as well, so you can listen to the free content or just go to patreon.com slash the sap, P A T R E O N.com slash T H E S A P, and you can be a part of our. Um, private, sexy, closed-knit community. We always appreciate our new listeners. They're all over the world. we got a couple in Canada, some in Georgia, some English folks. we got some Mexican guys. I mean, it's everyone's all over the world. So we really appreciate the love you guys are giving us and for hanging in uh, with us during such a strange time. 2020 couldn't be weirder, but uh, we're, uh, we're healthy on our end. We hope you guys are too. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. 